We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Another episode here of Sitting the Pace. I'm joined by my good host, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Oh, man. When I talk about an episode that we have for you guys, this is the episode of episodes. This is the GM, Chad Buchanan himself, coming on Setting the Pace to make his debut. I'm going to tell you this right now. He did not disappoint. No, it was a really great conversation with Chad. We threw a lot at him. I think you're going to get 45 minutes, probably close to it of us just asking questions about the team, about the draft, and stuff that happened last year, stuff that could happen this offseason. So I think there's a lot of interesting stuff you can get from this. And, of course, just going to let you guys know ahead of time, we didn't talk about specific prospects or specific trades, but we did talk about team building, what they're looking for in the draft, and I think that's very important to kind of just listen to and see if it matches up with what they do in the offseason. Of course. Were we like, hey, are you going to? A draft so-and-so at pick seven? No, because look, we're not trying to have anybody steal our plans, jump ahead of us, take the guy we want, or anything of that sort. But we dove through a lot today, and I mentioned it to Chad, but like, guys, you got to understand, other front offices, they're not doing this. They're not being as giving with their time as this Indiana Pacer front office is with between KP coming on the show, Chad coming on the show. It's like we are truly lucky to have a front office that is this open about what we're doing. And it he had me fired up to the point where I wish we were tipping off tomorrow, Alex. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really cool things that he does say, especially towards the end about this fan base, the organization, and you know his desires to be here long-term with the Pacers. But uh, let's not spoil any more, Fachi. Let's go ahead and get out of the way. We'll take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with our interview with Chad Buchanan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, Pacer fans, joining us now on Setting the Pace, it's the general manager of the Indiana Pacers, Chad Buchanan. Chad, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? Let's 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 fire through this. I'm excited <laughs> to get things going. It's about draft time. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I, I want to start with this past season here, obviously. The Pacers had 35 wins. I think they exceeded expectations for a lot of people. And now that we are heading into this next season, I'm just curious – when you guys are looking at building this roster for the future, especially this this offseason, are you looking to build for a team that can contend to the playoffs this year, or are you looking to just continue to add youth to this group? And then if you make the playoffs, it's an extra bonus, but you're not really focused on the playoffs yet this season, but more so just getting in talent and trying to build your roster. Yeah, it's a question we battle every single day. You know, we as a front office and ownership and coaching staff, we talk about, you know, you always talk about where you're at as a roster and a team and what step are you at in your progression for get to what your ultimate goals are. And a lot of what you're asking is going to be determined by what's out there. And, you know, that'll kind of take us down the path that is most appropriate for us. You know, I think we ideally, we went from 25 to 35 wins this year. You know, we'd like to continue that growth whether that's trying to get to 45 wins or is it trying to take, you know, a step to 40 to 42 and compete for a play-in type position. That's really going to be dictated by, you know, what's available to us. We have a lot of tools that we can use to help build a team, um, but it's also going to come from internal development. You know, how much better can some of our players become, you know, from what they were this season. And, uh, but, you know, we, ultimately we want to get to the point where we're contending to win a championship. You know, we have a, a great point guard to build around and, you know, be shame on us if we're not trying to, you know, reach the highest level we can and how fast we can get there is going to be determined by, you know, some of the other 29 teams of what, what we can do and, you know, what's feasible and what's not feasible. The, the worst thing we can do is jump into a, you know, a, a jump next year where we get to 42 wins and we cap ourselves out by boxing our roster in. So we want to be careful with that, but we also want to be better next season and how much better that's going to be is going to be determined like I said, by what what's out there and what our, our own players can do as far as our internal development. You know, despite the Pacers having missed the playoffs for the past two seasons, it feels like the excitement from this fan base and the promise around this team, it's sky high right now. 
How excited are you knowing that the true core of this team, they're still in their early to mid-20s with the real ability to continue to develop for years to come? Yeah, this season was just generated a lot of excitement for all of us within our building. And obviously our fans, our community is getting behind this team. We have a lot of young players that are great, you know, character people who are play the right way and they're fun to watch. It's an entertaining style of basketball. And as you watch some of these teams that are still playing the playoffs right now that have gone through some growing pains over the years, Denver, Denver's a great example. Uh, they stayed patient with their core. You know, they had some young players that are going to go through some ups and downs. They're going to go through some injuries, um, you know, but they've stuck with their core. And we're still trying to find our core. You know, I think we have a, a player or two that we feel comfortable with as being part of the long-term core. And we're still evaluating some of the other guys to see where that's at. But this season is hard to not get excited. And even at the end of the year when, you know, we had lots of guys that were down, it was it was a fun style of basketball to watch. And I don't know if you can watch it as fans or watch it on TV and feel the chemistry in our within the locker room, within the team. It was it was just it was terrific this year, and um, you hope that continues and carries over to next season. But there's no guarantee of that. You know the dynamic changes next season, but um, it was a fun season. And I think it all starts. Our point guard just makes things fun for everybody. I mean, speaking of your point guard, I think that's a, a big question mark for this off season too. Just trying to extend him long term before he gets into restricted free agency at the end of next season. Is that your guys' number one priority? Is coming to an uh, agreement there on a deal with him? That's a very, very high priority. I mean, he's he is the foundation of our future. I mean, he's our franchise point guard. He's bought into being a pacer. He loves the community. Um, his teammates just gravitate to him. He's a leader. He's got charisma. He's got a love of the game, which is the thing that I love most about Ty is he is just a basketball junkie. He he can, you know, talk any level of basketball with you. My son plays AU basketball and I I run into him at AU basketball events because, you know, Ty has an AU basketball team as well, and he's just into the game. And that's the type of personality and profile that you want to build your team around. So that's absolutely going to be a major priority for us. You know, I felt it then. I feel it now. But when you guys pulled off that blockbuster trade to bring in Tyrese Halliburton, it was a potential franchise-changing moment forever. And I, I just want to know, is there a moment early on that stood out with Tyrese where the front office thought, I think we're on to something special here? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's a matter of the day-to-day -day that you see with him, the joy that he brings every single day to whether it's practice, whether it's you're traveling on the plane, if it's you know just it, it, around the training room. You just feel his presence, you know, when he's around and his smile, his charisma, his inclusiveness. He treats every single person in our building the same, whether it's our equipment manager or Miles Turner or Coach Carlisle. He's just just a generally good human being who people just feel good when they're around him. But as far as a specific moment, it's, it's hard not to get a little tingle watching him that very first game against Cleveland last year. Where, I mean, that first half was just, I mean, it got you on the edge of your seat and excited about, you know, what could be for him long term. Yeah, that 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 first quarter, I think it was like 40 points in the first quarter. We hadn't seen that in a long time from this Pacers team. So definitely felt like something was going on there. Now, you did say on that first answer to that question I asked you about, we're going to see what's out there for us. You know, that's going to dictate how we build our roster. And quite frankly, this has been a very chaotic season in terms of coaches getting fired and feeling like teams could either go one or two ways. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of teams that have a solid core. Like you mentioned with Denver, 
trying to build from that, it feels like a lot of teams feel like they underachieved and they want to make some drastic changes. Are you guys sensing that as well and think it's going to be a pretty busy offseason in terms of trades? Yeah, the unique thing about our league right now, I think, Alex, is every feels like everybody is trying to win. And there's, you know, in the past, there's usually four or five teams that are just kind of going a little slower pace who are thinking really long term. And it just didn't feel like there was that many teams this year doing that. I think there'll be even less next year. So that's going to create a lot of, you know, aggressiveness, I think, around the league from teams trying to figure out, okay, maybe we didn't reach the ceiling we wanted to this year. Can we make a small tweak or a big tweak? And how does that fit in with the rest of the league? And, you know, the the new collective bargaining agreement will impact some teams' decisions as they build their roster, both short-term and long-term. And I think we're in a good position because we have a lot of flexibility with both our cap, but also our draft pick, you know, situation as well. And to have a young core that's a lot of the guys are still on their rookie-scale deals, we have a little bit of a window here to try to, you know, to try to build, you know, something pretty quick if we can. But like I mentioned, I don't want to put us in the situation I think none of us do where we're tapped out to be a seventh, eighth, you know, ninth seed, and that's our ceiling. You know, that's the worst spot to be, um, and that's not our goal. I mean, we have higher aspirations than that, but we also know you got to take steps to get there too. No, you do, but, you know, Chad, you got to think about it. A ton of teams got impatient. They pushed the majority of their chips in sacrificing draft picks, salary cap space for years to come just to get bounced in round one or perhaps not even make the playoffs. What's the vibe of the front office right now, knowing that true flexibility that you talked about of owning all your picks? The books are squeaky clean. You're possessing arguably the most young and promising all-star point guard in the game and essentially two all-rookies on this team going into, you know, like you mentioned, just the books right now look so good that anything could happen for this Pacers team. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we have is we have clarity of what we feel like this team needs. I mean, as you look at positionally what our roster is missing, I think, you know, we feel pretty strongly about where we're missing, you know, the positions, the skill set, the traits. And, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, for ever since we made the trade last year, we've kind of identified, okay, where are our holes moving forward? If Tyrese is as good as we hope he's going to be, which he's turned out to be to be that. You know, Ben's had a terrific, you know, first year. Um, Miles has been just a rock for us. So, but we have a lot of other holes, you know, and that is the good thing for us is we know what those holes are. And we've identified players around the league that we feel would be great fit for those holes. You know, whether you can get them or not is, you know, it's it's not always up to us, uh, but we're going to be aggressive in going after those profile players. And whether it be the draft, you know, whether it be trades, free agency, you know, we have clear, clear, you know, holes that we want to try and fill. And we're going to be aggressive trying to do that. And whether it happens now, it happens at the trade deadline, it happens next summer, you know, we're going to go to, we're going to go into this, you know, trying to be aggressive and going after the players that we've targeted. I mean, you talked about Ben Matherin's rookie season and it was one special season. We saw him really come in and just fit in right away in the NBA and just kind of show that he belongs. But I'm curious, long-term, we saw him start towards the end of the season. Do you see him more as a starting shooting guard or a small forward, or does it really matter? Because I know there's a lot of good, talented guards on this roster already, but where do you think his ideal position is and how that helps you determine what other uh, roster positions you want to address in the offseason? Sure. I think we're trying to find players that fit next to Ty, and I think Ben has shown the ability that he has some of those traits that fits next to him. You know, he's a secondary scorer, which, you know, Ty some nights wants to score, some nights he wants to facilitate. 
you know, I think Ben, as far as which position he is, I, I feel like the league today is almost like you're, you're a wing. You know, there's guys who are po- straight point guards, there's combo guards, there's wings, there's hybrids, which is like a four, three or a three, four, there's straight power forwards. And then there's like centers. <clears throat> I think Ben is really just a wing. I think he has, you know, to be a true like secondary ball handler, he's going to have to improve his ball handling, his pick and roll ability, which is what, you know, a combo guard does and some twos do. But I think he has the size, the strength, the mentality to guard either wing position. And, you know, it gives us some flexibility when we're putting who is the best person next to Ben, you know, at the wing. Is it a is it a six nine athletic defender or is it a you know, is it a, a shooter? You know, is it a guy that gives Ben and Tyrese space? You know, that it gives us a lot of flexibility because Ben can toggle to either spot. You know, talking about players alongside Halliburton, how pleased were you were with the rookie year that you saw out of Andrew Nemhard, who you know, as a second round pick, you guys struck absolute gold with. You saw him with Halliburton, without. I I, I loved what I saw, but from you guys in the front office, I mean, did he uh, surpass what you could have ever expected? I mean, I'd be lying if I told you here. I thought he'd be our starting two guard when we drafted him. <laughs> you know, I think when we drafted him, we expected here's a guy that can be our third point guard mm-hmm. and can learn under Ty and TJ, and you know, see where that goes to long term and. To his credit, you know, he's – Kevin and I were just talking about this today. He's He succeeded because he embraced his role. You know, his role was to defend, you know, the other team's best perimeter score. His role was to play off of Tyrese. You know, there was times where he was, you know, not very involved offensively, but it didn't affect his play. It didn't affect his approach to every night. And he's an extremely, extremely intelligent player who's – you know, he's been through a lot of a lot of high level games at the college level, which helped prepare him for this. Um, but anybody in our office who tells you that we expect him to do what he did this year is, uh, I, I don't know if they're telling you the truth. So we're <laughs> pleasantly surprised with his rookie year and um, hope that he continues to get better because that's you know you see rookies come in and have great years. Ben and and Andrew had terrific you know rookie years, and next year is going to be harder. It's hard to make that next jump, and they've got to be prepared to for teams that kind of know what they do now and um, they got to take their game to another level. And I think they both will. Yeah. That's a great point about Andrew, because when we had him on before the season started, he even talked about being open to go to the G league just to get reps, to get better. And then he got a DMP coach's decision the first game. We're like, okay, maybe he won't play much. And then all of a sudden thrust him into the lineup and he just succeeded. And I think because of his defensive versatility, that's really what helped him solidify that starting two spot. But you know, I'm curious about the draft picks that you guys have because we know we have 7, 26, 29, 32, and 55, I think it is. So I, I understand that there's so many first-round picks, you know, right kind of close together in that that 26 to 32 range. In terms of the first round versus second round, which pick is more valuable, that 32nd pick or a late first-round pick? Because I know there's different ways you can go about negotiating contracts with those. That's, that's an interesting question because – I think it's going to depend on each team's cap situation. Um, one team might value pick 32 more than pick 22, just because of the flexibility to negotiate that contract, um, as opposed to putting, you know, the 22nd pick, you know, salary slot under their books. Uh, but I, th- I think most teams are probably, you know, the higher pick is usually more mm-hmm. appealing. Yeah. Um, but you also get in that point in the draft where this happened to us last year. You know, we're we were at pick 31. We had a couple of guys that we were hoping were going to get there. We were aggressive trying to move up into the late 20s, 
And we got to the point where you do the math, you're like, well, we could try to get into pick 28 and give up these assets. But we have four guys that we really like. One of them's going to get there. So some mm -hmm. of that is determined as the draft takes place as to what that value of that pick becomes. And you know, there are lots of teams right now don't have first round picks. So right. and a lot of those teams are teams that are, you know, financially in, you know, a little bit of a corner and they need cheap labor. And so a rookie scale contract, um, a young player, maybe they're a veteran team, a young player that they can start to look to the next step of their iteration of their roster, it becomes appealing to them. So um, it's, it's a good situation to be in, you know, to have extra picks. And obviously we don't have the roster spots for five players. Um, we might draft um, Michael's newborn baby uh, for the pick 55, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're considering everything with those picks at this point. It's safe to say that everything worked out because we love Andrew, you know, and like I mentioned, the, the pick was a home run. But while we don't need you to tip your hand as to which players you like by any means, what sort of characteristics or qualities are you really looking for in this draft to add to a team that's viewed as, you know, on the rise in this league? Well, our biggest weakness, I think you guys would all agree, is we were a very poor defensive team this year. Um, I think that's got to be a, a, a trait of anybody that we add to this team this offseason is somebody that can improve, help us improve as a, as a defensive team. I think we're, we have guys that can score the ball. I think that's not going to be a huge hurdle for us on the offensive end, uh, specifically because we have Ty and you have TJ McConnell and your Nemhart guys who are just pass-first facilitators you know, help elevate your offensive side. But I think anybody, whether it be the draft, free agency, trades, you know, there's got to be a defensive component to that player. Um, and because they're just nights where we just, we can't outscore everybody every night. That's just, it's not a recipe to win. I mean, you watch these playoffs and it's, it's a war every possession. And for us to play at that level, we've got to add pieces that can compete in that type of environment. So um, the defensive side is going to be important, you know, we're always going to value guys that can shoot. You know, that's big for Coach Carlisle and his system. Um, and, you know, guys that are, you know, hungry, hungry. And I like overlooked players, guys that maybe in high school were <clears throat> they weren't a McDonald's All-American. They weren't recruited by every, you know, blue blood that have had to fight and scratch and claw to get to where they're at. Those those are the players that I'm attracted to. Um, and those that quality is always helpful when you're looking for the profile of a guy who's going to come in and, just be gritty and defensive minded and embrace a role that maybe isn't always like a super you know, sexy role, uh, but it helps your team win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the value of role players by a lot of fans in terms of team, team building has kind of been devalued just because people are like, Oh, they're not a star. They're a bust. Well, it's like, look at a guy like Antavius Caldwell Pope. He was drafted eighth overall by the Pistons kind of been a journeyman, but helped the Lakers win a championship. Now he's almost going to help the nuggets get back to the finals. And that was just a, very under-the-radar small trade between Washington and Denver, and look at what that did for them. Just finding those kind of glue guys matters for team building. So I think that's really important. But I'm curious in terms of the draft process, though. You watch these guys all season long. Your scouts do a great job. You do scouting yourself. I know that. But I'm curious, what's more important during this type of stretch right here that we're in before the draft? Is it those individual workouts that you bring these players in for, or is it more so than one-on-one -on -one conversations you have to really get to know these players, who they are as people? Well, I would say the most important thing that, you know, I believe in and I stress to our scouts <clears throat> is we spend all year watching these guys, whether it be in a practice setting, a summer camp, you know, setting. 
their college team or international team setting. <clears throat> when you're in a gym, if you're at the University of Illinois watching Illinois play Ohio State and it's January 20th and you're watching a player, how you feel when you walk out of that gym that night is what you should always go back to when you're evaluating a player. Because it's easy this time of year based on an interview or a workout or stuff that media or agents are putting out there to kind of maybe confuse you or get you thinking about something that really isn't that important. What's important is how did you feel when you watched him compete in the middle of his season when something really meant something to him and his team and his teammates in his school? What did you think when you walked out of the gym? That's what you should go back to with the core of all your decisions because that's the player you're getting. Because a player in an interview or a workout is just a small glimpse and sometimes it's not the glimpse of what you're actually going to get. Mm -hmm. uh, but what you saw when you watched them during the season, what you saw when you watched them in their conference tournament, in practice when there's no fans in the building, that's the player that you're getting. Because these are players you're around every day for 82 games, and you want somebody that you believe in is going to be competitive, that loves the game, that's going to play the right way. So that's the core of evaluating players for us. Um, but this time of year, you know, the interview part, is it's, it's helpful because you get a vibe of maybe how much that player knows about your team, about your players, about your coach, about your system, about the organization, about the city. And you find out, what I find out the most in these interviews is who really loves the game. Because you find out who's studied the NBA, who's studied your team, who's studied other players in the draft. Because um, quite frankly, there's players that you interview that don't know, don't know who Tyrese Halliburton is. And that's, that's a little bit of alarming, you know, and, <laughs> and so that's a little bit of a red flag when you're looking at a player, you're like, okay, this is going to be his job. He doesn't know who, you know, your best player is, is this job going to be fulfilling for him? Is he going to reach his ceiling? Because it's a job, it's not a passion for him. And that's the biggest thing I take away from this time of year is who loves the game? Because if you love the game, you're going to work at it. You're going to be coachable. You're going to put in the time and you're going to reach whatever your ceiling is. And that's what we need around here. We need guys who are about the game of basketball. You know, what was it about Benedict Matherin that stood out last year in the, the draft process of everything? Because it felt like the fan base really wanted Matherin. And I loved hearing about this. I think it was like how he had that like secret workout. He came back later on. Just hearing stuff like that is just really like, you know, you guys nailed that pick. And for Alex and I, that's the best Pacer rookie we've seen in our lifetime. So what was some of the traits and stuff that you saw with Matherin during that process last year? I think the one of the things, you know, during the pre-draft process was, as we got to know him, his competitiveness really comes out in an interview setting. And most guys want to try to impress you and say what they think you want to hear and stuff that they've researched about you. Whereas Ben was very genuine about, you know, I'm – I'm an ass kicker and I'm going to come in here and I'm going to come in. And I'm going to compete and I don't want anything given to me. I want to earn it. Um, that's just how I've been brought up and that's how I play. And that's how my mind works. And uh, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to come after some guys. And that's, you know, and you hear a guy say that you're like, okay, is, is this just, is this genuine or is he really mean this? And he really meant it. And so <laughs> He uh, comes in for his draft workout, and I think Coach Carlisle's maybe told you this, or KP's told you this. He, we have a shooting drill where there's five spots on the court, and there's 25 threes. And if you can make 20 out of 25, there's a bell that you get a ring. And, you know, the guys do it then to practice every day. They can do it as many times as they want. You know, Buddy will do it, you know, until he rings the bell every day. 
<laughs> and so we did the drill with Ben and the draft workout. And first time, I think he got 18 out of 25. And he's like, I want to do it again. So we're like, okay, you can do it again. I think he got 17 out of 25. Now he's really getting ticked off. And so we're like, you know, that's the end of the workout. He'd been going like, it was a solo workout. He'd been going for almost an hour and 15 minutes, which is hard as a solo workout. I mean, he's just dripping in sweat and tired. And, you know, we've seen enough at that point. He's like, nope, I'm going again. And so he went again. He got 19 out of 25. He slams the ball on the ground. And he's just, I mean, he's just ticked off. And finally, Coach Carla Lyle's like, it's enough. We're done. Workout's over. You know, you, you've got you've got to shower up. You've got to do media, you know, things like that. And so we finished up. And Ben's just in the worst mood now. He's just, you know, he's, he had a good workout. And now he's in the worst mood because he couldn't ring the bell. <laughs> so he goes and does his he showers. He does the media. And it's about... I don't know, it's maybe five o'clock and I'm getting ready to go home and uh, the lights are off in the gym. And all of a sudden I hear the ball bouncing and I'm figuring it's Gennaro Pargo, one of our player assistants is always in there shooting. So I just figured it was Gennaro. And I look down there and it's Ben and he's doing, he has nobody rebounding for him. He's doing it himself, the 25 spot. And he does it. And eventually he rings, it's the, the lights are off in the gym and he rings the bell because he got 20 out of 25. And I'm like, that is the guy who loves basketball, who's competitive and is driven. And he's been exactly that. And he, I mean, he's in the gym shooting with the lights off, trying to get this bell rung. So that's just who he is. That doesn't These make are the you stories love, that we live yeah. for. We love yeah. that. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever heard it in that much detail. So that's great to just kind of get more of a, a detailed version of that. So, you know, you, we talk about this year's draft and wanting to add defensive-minded players. And it feels like, this is a really good draft for wings and it feels like there's a lot of them at the top of the draft as well in that top eight. Maybe you have some hybrids in there as well, but do you feel like the majority of the players that are in that cons uh, consensus top 10 do bring that defensive presence that you guys are looking to add? I think you're spot on with that, Alex. There's so many guys and obviously there's a couple guys at the very top that are, they're just all around great players. And yeah. then you get into that next round of players and it's more like a, sorry about that. And it's more of a, you know, not specialist, but guys who are really have a defined role. And it's exciting for us because there's many players in that range that we think could bring a lot of things that we're looking for, um, both from, you know, positional standpoint, the defensive standpoint, the toughness standpoint, um, the shooting, you know, standpoint. So, we're excited. Obviously, you want to move up in the lottery, but we're also really happy with pick seven and the possibilities that come with that. Oh, man. I mean, that was I was so hopeful we were going to move up and it really just felt like, you know what? We didn't move back. So at that point <laughs> and we got pick 32. So we got to take what we can get. But I got to know from a front office standpoint, look. I don't know what sort of magic tricks you guys are learning over there, but we got a bunch of magicians in the front office that continue to pull rabbits out of hats on a yearly basis. But on average, how many conversations or how many weeks does it take for a real trade to materialize between trade partners in the NBA? It's a, it's a wide range. Some of them happen like instantaneously, almost with like one phone call when you're almost under the gun with the clock and Half, maybe not half, maybe a third of them happen that way. The other two thirds happen over the course of months of dialogue where, you know, something that may happen this summer, you can trace back to the trade deadline where kind of the ball got rolling with the thoughts around a concept. And then you get, you know, you finish out the season, 
then you recircle back and, you know, discuss similar parameters around, you know, similar players and it comes together in, in the summer. Um, so it's, it's such a wide range and it kind of depends on the team. Certain teams are more likely to engage a long process, long drawn out process and others are going to be, Hey, we're going to put them on the clock right now. They, we have 10 minutes till the trade deadline and let's put this on their plate right now and see, see what they bite. Um, but it's, you know, it's, each team has their own unique style. And I mean, we've, we've had successful trades. We've missed on stuff too. I mean, like any other front office and, um, you know, you know, I think the Tyrese trade has been great for us. It was great for Sacramento. So it's, it's a win-win, which helps, you know, if there's something down the road with us in Sacramento, you feel good about that because we both came away with feeling good about that trade. And that, that helps, you know, building, you know, a connection with another team and their comfort level with working with you. Yeah, I mean, the Kings got roasted immediately after that trade by all of the the national outlets. But I think it's really been awesome to see them kind of bounce back from that because it did feel like a really fair trade because I feel like people just have always undervalued what Sabonis can be as a player. And I think that he showed that, obviously, there's limitations to everyone's game. But, you know, I think by them being a three seed this year, I do think that it really did solidify, hey, this trade actually worked for both. And, you know, Tyrese being an all-star really made uh, made that all come together too. So I, I think that was a... A win-win trade, like you said, and I just I'm hoping we can kind of put that narrative to bed with Kings fans and Pacer fans being so upset about oh who won the trade. It really doesn't matter. I think it benefited both. But uh, I'm curious because this draft class, I'm really enticed by a lot of these players. But I'm curious from your standpoint, do you feel like there's a lot of franchise-changing players in this draft, or do you feel like it's you know like that top three is really like franchise-changing and the rest are kind of more role players? Or, or where do you get where do you see this draft at in terms of depth? Yeah, as far as franchise players, I don't think that's deep with those. Um, I think there's a couple guys potentially at the very top, like you mentioned, and there's always there's going to be one hidden in there somewhere, you know, and whether it's in the lottery or it's in the second round. And I mean, you're seeing what the second rounder that Denver has is doing for them right now. You know, there there's somebody else hidden in this draft and it's, you know, it's our job to try and find them. But I think you're more likely looking at a lot of like, really helpful players that maybe aren't franchise players, but they're guys that are going to help you win games. And some of them, you know, take, we're going to take a little longer than others, but I think there's some really good pieces to some good teams that are going to have good NBA careers. And, um, you know, I think we have a chance to get one of those at pick seven. I'm really excited for that, especially after, you know, what you guys did last year at pick six, it just feels like, Hey, let's, let's keep the good times rolling. But when it comes to, you know, maybe a another piece, a really, really good low-risk, high-reward move that the Pacers made last year, knocked it out of the park, was the trade for Jordan Nwora, also acquiring three second-round picks. I mean, what was it that intrigued you most with Nwora's play post-deadline? Because I know that the Pacers also had interest initially when he was a prospect a few years ago. Yeah, we had interest in him in the draft. We had interest in him last summer in free agency. Um, there's been lots of dialogue, you know, over the years with with his representation. And, you know, we're finally able to the time was right on Milwaukee's end and our end to make a deal. And, you know, as as we got Jordan with us, we always knew we had the ability to score. <clears throat> and we're, we were looking we're looking for guys six, seven, six, eight that can score and, you know, play the three, play the four. That's a that's a hole in our roster. So here's a young guy and a very reasonable contract who we've always respected and admired from afar and let's take a chance on him. You know, where we're at with our season, we had a hole at that position. We wanted to take a look at a guy and, 
you know, obviously he had some big scoring bursts for us, you know, once the trade happened. And um, I think he was felt empowered, you know, he was playing on a, a championship level team in Milwaukee and maybe wasn't getting the consistent opportunity they wanted. And, you know, we were able to provide that for him. And, you know, to his credit, he, you know, took advantage of it. And, you know, Rick instills confidence in guys that can score. I mean, players feel that from from coach and he he felt it immediately. You know, coach really is, does a good job of making guys feel good about their ability to, to score the ball. And he wants them to have the freedom to be aggressive to score the ball. And Jordan just felt right at home, you know, right away. And, you know, we're hopeful that he can give us some of the traits, you know, a championship team that he was on, that some of those traits can emit into our locker room. Because uh, he observed, you know, one of the best players in the history of our game on a daily basis. And he was around, you know, a terrific coach, championship coach. And that culture, you know, anything that he can provide that, you know, helps our, our locker room is just a bonus for us as well. I'm going to ask a, a sensitive topic maybe here a little bit. I got to go back to last summer, the DeAndre Ayton stuff, when you guys went after him, offered him the max contract. Not going to ask you about Ayton because I know he's on a different team. You can't talk about him. But I'm curious how that offer sheet impacted Miles Turner and what you guys saw from him this season. Was there something that kind of lit a fire in him when you guys went out there and, and did give DeAndre that offer sheet? And just the year that he had last year, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, this is my 19th year in the NBA, and I'm not sure I've been around a more loyal person when it comes to the Indiana Pacers, you know, specifically than Miles, because he has every reason to be, you know, cast his team. I feel like, you know, my name's out there a lot. You know, if there is a potential trade, we've communicated it to him. You know, we're very open and honest with our guys, and... You know, we were open and honest with him about that situation last summer. And to his credit, you know, he's been in the league long enough that he knows that's, that's part of the business. And he was able to separate that from his love of his teammates, his love of Indianapolis, his love of the Pacers. And when, you know, the other situation didn't happen, you know, he's like, I'm all in. You know, I, I see, you know, maybe you felt like there's another player out there that was a better fit than me. You know, there's other reasons. It wasn't just the player. There's contract situation, things like that, that factored into that. Um, and Miles understood that too. But sure, I'm sure he was, you know, part of him was like, okay, I'm going to show these people. They thought somebody else was better than me. And, you know, we were obviously thrilled. You know, we weren't trying to get off of Miles Turner. You know, we, we, we've always valued Miles. He's obviously a terrific player. And there was a, a situation where, you know, we had to look for the long term of our organization. We didn't know what Miles' was situation would be long term, so we had to prepare for that possibility. And everything's worked out tremendously for Miles. You know, financially for the basketball part, he's playing the center full time. Um, he's playing with a terrific point guard that you know helps him. He's got a coach that loves him. He's got a fan base that you know he's very comfortable with, and it's worked out. You know, financially with the contract as well. So it's. It's been great for him, obviously. It's great for us. We have our center position, you know, solidified for the next couple of years. And, um, you know, Miles is all in. And he's never been anything but all in with the Pacers. And it's just a, it's a character trait that I have a lot of admiration for because it would be easy for 90% of the guys in the NBA would basically say, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know screw you, you know. But <laughs> to his credit, he's got so much maturity and understanding of the business and, you know, he doesn't let it affect his play. 
I love the way that how you guys handle it with the players, but also the way Miles handled the situation was perfect. He came in hungry, ready to have his best year, and he did. If I was wearing a hat right now, Chad, I'd be tipping it to to you in the front office, the way that you guys got that extension done, because that was such a win for the team, the whole fan base and everything. But now, Miles is going into this offseason far more healthy than he was last offseason. How excited are you to have healthy Miles Turner, who has now played with Tyrese Halliburton and this group going in the offseason where they could really get after it early on uh, together? Yeah, I think a lot of your feeling going in an offseason is uh, guys, when you do exit interviews with your players, where are they at? What are they saying? How are they feeling? What's their energy? And Miles is in such a good spot, you know, physically, mentally, uh, you know, financially, obviously, he's in a great spot now. And I think he feels like everything is laid out there for him. And it's just, let's just look forward. I've got a great situation here. I've got a great point guard that I love playing with. I had probably the best season of my career. I feel great. My body feels great now. And let's just look forward and let's, you know, have a great runway into next season. And he's really, you know, really actively involved. And we talked to him about, you know, players that we're looking at. Um, and talk to him about the draft, things like that. We want his his input. You know, this is he's been here the longest, you know, than anybody else around and you know around our team. So um, he deserves that, you know, voice to you know hear what do you think about this? Do you do you like this player? Do you like this concept? And you know, we're obviously we're not going to do everything our players want, but we want them invested in what we're doing. You know, because this is their team. You know, we're we're building it, but this is their team, and we want to make sure that. You know, any player that we bring in is going to be embraced appropriately. Does uh, does Benedict Matherin get some say in uh, what's going on roster wise too, or is he got to still like earn his uh... younger players? Yeah, maybe got to earn it a yeah. little more. What we, with our younger players, the one benefit of our younger players is you go through the draft. A lot of them have either maybe played against or sometimes with these players. Uh, maybe they've worked out with them, so you pick their brain on that. Um, yeah. No, ben, Ben's just, he's just here. He's just like, I don't, <laughs> don't uh, that guy you're asking me about, I probably kicked his ass last year. That I probably kicked his, just, I'm focused on me and I'm going to be a great <laughs> player. And I, I mean, I just love that about Ben, but, um, you know, one other story about Ben I should have brought up when we went to his pro day last year, um, it was out in Santa Barbara and he, I mean, the entire leagues are, you know, executives are at these pro days, head coaches at these pro days and, you know, Ben's obviously, he's chiseled like, you know, he's just built like a, just a goddess. And he comes out there and he takes a couple of spot-up jumpers to start his workout. I think he misses a couple and he's like, takes his shirt off and he's just like, you could just see his energy, his confidence now. He's just like strutting around the rest of his workout with his shirt off and he was just, he was just awesome in his pro day. And so it's funny when he comes in for, for workouts now, he's always taking his shirt off and um it's just the guys kind of give him a hard time about it but he's very proud of himself and i would be too if i looked like that <laughs> same so yeah as he should be and i love the confidence and and that that dog type mentality that he brings because we felt like in the past we needed a little bit more of that because that could be infectious but i gotta say look while jimmy butler simply don't grow on trees was there a part of you in the front office that saw the eighth seed heat go from the play-in to all of a sudden up Two nothing in the Eastern Conference Finals that has you thinking next year just get us in the dance and anything can happen. Yeah, I mean the one thing Jimmy had that our players don't is he had playoff experience and that that helps obviously. Um, these teams in the playoffs right now they're tough. 
I mean, there, there's, there's nothing nice and pretty about these guys. And we've got a very, we've got a great team of good guys, and we need to add a little nasty to this team. Mm-hmm. And you see in these playoffs, it's nice guys aren't winning, you know. And in the playoffs, it's you got to have a little dog to you. And you know, the guys you're talking about are they have that and. You know, there's so much parity right now. Miami is a great example. The Lakers are a great example of, hey, you you have the right makeup, the right experience. You have tough-minded guys. You know, the playoff playoffs is just a different level of basketball. And if you have the right makeup, whether you're the eighth seed or the first seed, you know, you can you can make a run in this league right now just because the talent is so spread out right now. Yeah, I mean, this Miami Heat run has been incredible because a lot of people are writing them off and. You know, I did a podcast with a with a guest a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about how the Pacers can maybe look at some of these teams in the East and kind of build their roster after it. And I said, can they can the Pacers find their Caleb Martin? You know, this guy that comes off the bench and really just is a role player, but can play multiple positions and just be versatile and, and be a dog, like you said. So I said, I, I honestly don't know if that's not already on the team in Aaron Neesmith, because I do think that Aaron Neesmith proved last year that whatever position you guys threw him in, for the most part, I feel like he really excelled in it. And it was a slow start shooting wise, but he really found his niche when he got put into that starting lineup. And, you know, I just, I've just been impressed with him. I thought it was interesting that KP did mention, we don't know if he's a starter or not, but I think that him being open and honest about that, obviously you've had those conversations with Aaron. So him being willing to kind of accept a lesser role, maybe next year or the year after is good to know, but it seems like he is a guy that's committed to this Pacers franchise as well. Yeah. Aaron is, if you look back to when he came out of college at Vanderbilt, I think his draft profile was probably guy who's going to run off screens. He's a good catch and shoot guy. He's going to be more like a buddy heel than he's turned out to be. He's more, you know, he's turned into this gritty, tough, athletic, physical, defensive minded, you know, just junkyard dog. And it's, it's such a, we talk about this in our scouting meetings is it's sometimes it's hard to project what a guy is going to turn into once they get to the league. And I think, Aaron's experience in Boston playing a, you know, obviously a championship level team, what he was watching every day with some of those players in practice kind of molded him into what he he's become now. And um, he's, he's been, he just gives us grit and tough and nastiness, you know, every night out, and, you know, his shooting is, you know, can be there some nights, some nights it's not, but his effort and his toughness is there every single night. And that's, that's a playoff player right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that he finished like third on the, the new hustle award. Uh, I believe it was and deservingly so because that, that man was diving for any loose ball, taking on tough challenges every night. And when you see someone do it next to you, you want to do it. And that's exactly what the Pacers need to do. You talked about how they need to add more defense. The Pacers set a franchise record for points, but it only goes oh so far if the defense isn't there. So players like Aaron Neesmith, once again, another player, the Pacers, hit it out of the park on a trade. But, Chad, I got to know. Teams have showed interest in you in the past, and you can bet they'll show interest in you again. However, we're very fortunate to have you here. But what is it about trying to build a winner, and how special would it be to do it in Indiana that keeps you coming back from more? I mean, I love – I'm from the Midwest. I love Indianapolis. I love the people here. I love our owner. He's – you know, that's where it all starts for us. I mean, he's just a phenomenal – human being, you know, take away, you know, his, his wealth and his, all his accomplishments, just his, at his core, 
he's just a phenomenal person. And I think everybody who works for him wants the best for him and his organization. And I've, you know, I'm obviously been with KP for so many years and I feel such a loyalty and um, commitment to him. I mean, I want to see the Indianapolis Pacers. I mean, this the city of Indianapolis win a championship. I want a parade in this city. And, you know, I've been in this league a long time. I've never experienced a championship. And I don't want to jump from team to team chasing that. I want to do it here. And there's no reason it can't happen here. You know, it's it. if we're just content with trying to be just, you know, okay and just good, that's that's not good enough. You know, Herb Simon deserves a championship. And KP, Kelly, Ted, Coach Carlisle, our players, we want to give it to them. And, you know, how long that's going to take, I don't know, but – uh, that is what I want. That's what we all want. And that's what I dream about every single day. I drive into work, you know, from Westfield every day. And that's, it never does not cross my mind as I drive into work. What would it be like to win a championship in this city and for our owner? Chad, I'm going to be honest. I'm fired up right now. I really am. I, I know <laughs> season's a while from now, but you got me hoping that, you know, we can make something happen soon because this fan base, they're dying to get back to the playoffs. What we saw this year, every game I watched was just thinking, I want that. You heard those 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 crowds, and I just feel like the time away from being in the playoffs just made everybody appreciate it that much more that when we make our return, you're going to get a fired-up fan base. Yeah. I mean, our fans are, are terrific. This year, they were phenomenal. I mean, we were you – know, we obviously were on the cusp of being a playing team, but there were nights you come to our building, and it just felt like – you know, just a, such a great vibe and our players just feed off that energy. And um, I, I just, I want to see what this building looks like and when we're making a deep run. And you now I spent this week at the the combine in Chicago and I had dinner with Coach Carlisle and I was just, you know, I pick his brain a lot on things from when he was with the Mavericks and his stops around the NBA and just, you know, what was that like the night you won the NBA championship in Miami? What'd you do? Where'd you go? What was the first thing you thought of? Who's the first person you talked to this? I just like picking his brain about that because he's, I mean, he's just such a wealth of experience and success. And we're so fortunate to have him as, you know, as our leader. And he wants the same thing for, for this organization. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're in a very unique situation where we're all united from ownership to front office to the coaching staff to our franchise player. We're all on the same page. We all want the same thing. And it's, you don't always get that. And we realize we have, we have multiple steps to take to get there, but we're in a good spot, you know, to, we're on the right path. I always use this phrase, you know, you can be on the right path, but if you just sit there, you're going to get run over. And so yeah. we've got to keep taking steps, you know, to get to where we want to get to. And it's, you know, little by little, but we're going to get there. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end the end the conversation here for my uh, for me. I don't have any more questions after this. Just a little fun one for you. Uh, have you ever listened to one of our podcasts or saw something on Twitter where you saw a trade idea from one of the fans, one of the low live people that want to or just want to be GMs and thought, you know, that's not a bad idea? Or wow, they're way off the wall. I'm just curious. Sure. I mean, I I listen to your podcast every now and then. I think you guys appreciate that. Just your passion for our team and is is admirable for me because I know you guys have other jobs. You know, have other things that you're doing in your life. You have families and. You know, just somebody who has a similar passion for our team, you know, I'm, I'm going to listen to and I'll hear their thoughts. And, you know, I like listening to our fans, what they think. I mean, we'd be stupid to not, you know, at least listen to them and, you know, whether we're going to just write down all their trade ideas. No, <laughs> but um, sometimes they spark some interesting ideas and it can lead to maybe something else that leads to discussion. But 
Um, sure. I mean, I think any GM who tells you that, hey, we don't listen to our teams, you know, fans and trade ideas, they're full of BS because it's, you know, anybody who has a passion about your team, you're always trying to find a way to make it better. And, you know, sometimes it comes from externally, you know, somebody that you're not expecting to get it from might have an idea that you're going to at least, you know, kick around. So, um, you know, if, if, if it ever happens where we execute something that you guys give to us, we'll be sure to acknowledge you in, in the press conference. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I love it. First of all, I, I appreciate you saying you've listened before and, and everything that comes with that. But Alex and I, we just want to be part of the contribution to spark exactly that parade that you mentioned. Because, Chad, I'll be honest, it's almost 10 p.m. at night. I ain't sleeping tonight. All right. I, I'm fired up after this. So, look. As we wrap up, I just want to thank you so much for, yeah. for coming on. I mean, we were talking about before. There's certain teams that the front office hasn't faced the media in years. And here you are coming on our show. So that says a lot to the whole entire fan base. You got everybody behind you right now. And this feels like one of the most fun off seasons that I could ever you know remember. So yeah. we're, we're excited. I appreciate your guys' enthusiasm for our team. I really, I really mean that. All the fans out there that are listen to your podcast and call in with ideas. You know, we, we as Pacers, as an organization, love our fans and appreciate that and know that we wouldn't be here without them. So um, appreciate all that. Some of it's good energy, some of it's bad, but that's part of pro sports and we get that. So, you know, keep, keep up the passion. We're going to keep trying to build a championship team for our fans. Love it, thanks man. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on Chad. And we'll make sure to hopefully get you on again soon, maybe after the draft, just kind of after the summer, see where we're at and uh, maybe talk about the team moving into the season since we'll have a little bit more clarification then. But uh, thank you so much for your time, and uh, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Vachi, that was one great conversation in the books. Really enjoyed Chad Buchanan taking the time once again for coming on, talking to us. Didn't have to do it. Nine o'clock is when we started this thing on a Sunday evening, and we got off the air about 1020 with him. We we talked a lot off air as well. So just a really, really great guy and really appreciate his time. And what, I'm supposed to go to bed after this? Alex, I'm fired up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to return back to work tomorrow. I don't know. This all sounds crazy. I just want more Pacer basketball at this moment. And, you know, on a night like this, I mean, this is what this is what the show is all about. Being able to bring to listeners someone like Chad, who no one knows more about what's going on than Chad Buchanan in the front office. Yeah, I mean, we know baby Fachi's on the way, and Chad told you before we started recording, get as much sleep as you can before that baby is here. So take a melatonin or do something, Fachi, to get yourself to sleep tonight because you got to be ready to go for work tomorrow. Don't need you having any uh, miss-ups there at work. But with that being said, let the people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. 
You can go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. And this interview will be up there in the next day or so. So make sure you guys check that out. Chad was able to join us for a video call. So we got video footage of the entire thing. So make sure you guys check that out. And if you haven't already subscribed to our Substack at setting the pace podcast.substack.com where you can find more Pacers content besides just our audio work there. So with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers upcoming off season, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon'